um, the the timing um, worked out in a way where I, I was just um, part of part of the class that <laughs> was uh, lucky enough to be part of this, and it was a great chance for many of my classmates and I to um, step up. Well, welcome back, everyone, to The Current here at Toro University, California, our fabulous alumni podcast. Um, it's uh, it's 2022. I can't believe it uh, already. Um, time flies when you're uh, not having any fun at all because you're stuck in a pandemic. Um, but you need not worry. I might have the solution right at hand uh, with a very special guest today who has been helping resolve that very problem. Uh, and she's awesome because she has not one but two Toro degrees. Uh, Dr. Denise Young. Dr. Young, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, it is our pleasure, as always. I spent uh, some of my prep work time uh, getting ready for this show, trying to find somebody that would say something bad about you, but I could not find a single person on campus. They, they all love you. Um, and for good reason. Uh, you're, you're doing a lot of really awesome work. Can you, uh, before we get deep into the weeds, um, can you just tell people how you came back uh, to Toro, uh, and what it is you're doing here? Oh, sure, sure. So um, I finished my dual degree uh, PharmD MPH program in 2020, and I uh, went on to complete a one-year residency in primary care. And so um, during my hiatus of uh, job searching, I wanted to occupy my time um, doing something fruitful for the community. And so I mm -hmm. um, I was checking my Toro emails and saw that there was a volunteer experience available um, to volunteer with uh, the Toro's CARES team. And mm -hmm. so I began uh, volunteering with them a few times a week. And then eventually they were like, hey, you want to just get paid to do this? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, definitely and, not. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. Well, yeah. don't mind if I do. <laughs> yes. Well, twist my arm again. And then uh. maybe, yes. Um, so the, the CARES, uh, team, um, they've been, uh, doing something known as MVP, the mobile vaccine program that, uh, people who can't just drive over to the hospital or the fairgrounds or whatever, for whatever reasons, uh, they can't access, uh, the vaccine or, uh, they're, they're a little afraid for whatever reason. Um, can you tell us just a little bit about uh, what the MVP is, uh, you, you've served a lot of people, uh, in the community. That is amazing. Um, but you have a lot of, uh, a lot of the students, uh, speak multiple languages or whatever, or they, in some cases they come from the community. Uh, um, what has that whole experience been like in, in trying to get some of these vulnerable populations vaccinated? Yes, yes. So we actually do um, some very targeted um, research to specifically seek out areas. Um, so uh, through like zip codes of a low vaccination rate, and we plan our 
uh, we plan our clinics around those uh, those places. And um, this specifically addresses, yes, like you said earlier, transportation insecurities or, um, you know, just we want to reduce as many barriers as possible to mm-hmm. these folks um, getting vaccinated. And sometimes um, the patients that we serve, they end up not even getting the vaccine, but they when they show up and ask questions, it really helps um, us you know, move that process along and get them that much closer to accepting, um, perhaps making the decision to accept the vaccination. Right, Um, right. Yes. And our clinic is very largely volunteer run. So um, it really helps to have um, volunteers come from coming from different backgrounds, Mm -hmm. um, utilizing their different training, their different languages to address some of these populations. Um, We try to also um, recruit students with as much um, Spanish-speaking experience as possible as well. And um, my, my partner, Dr. Hernandez, uh, is in charge of all that. She's even taken to um, teaching a, um, like a, short, a small Spanish-speaking uh, class regarding right. vaccinations. And it's been very helpful for our students to utilize these uh, new skills in our clinics. Okay. Yeah, um, and that's, no, uh, that's nothing new uh, for the College of Pharmacy. Um, the, the pharmacy students over the years have done a lot of work in trying to make uh, just general sort of healthcare knowledge accessible to people who English isn't their first language. Um, and to me, it's remarkable. Like you said, we, we do have quite a extensive uh, collection of Spanish speakers and so forth. And I know there's like Spanish medical uh, electives or whatever uh, that, that can sort of help with that with students. Um, but there's so many like Eastern European languages and Asian languages and so many other languages that you would think maybe that's not that common, but, um, but nevertheless, if, you know, if you speak Hungarian or whatever, um, that, that service is available to you. So that's really, really incredible. I wanted to ask you, uh, to let's, uh, to quote um, whoever it was, uh, it's best to begin at the beginning. Um, what what was it that sort of attracted you to pharmacy in general, and then why did you end up coming to Toro? Sure, sure. Uh, I would say it's a, a very long story, but I'll I'll make mm-hmm. sure it. <laughs> so, um, growing up um, as a first generation, you know, Asian uh, immigrant, my parents. Um, believed only in traditional Chinese medicine. So it's uh, mm-hmm. very, very much, you know, acupuncture and um, herbs. Uh, so I got all my, my, my medical care growing up um, basically in with traditional Chinese doctors and had to drink really awful concoctions of <laughs> just who knows, who knows what, what were yeah. in them. And so growing up, I, I, w- I always wanted to ask my mom, I was like, you know, what is this? How do I even know it's working? Where, where is the data? Show me the data. <laughs> And of course, you know, this is all just, you know, past like medical knowledge that's been passed down, you know, through generations and there is no data. And yeah. uh, I was very frustrated by this. And so I turned to Western medicine. I wanted to learn more. I wanted to find a profession where I could get my answers, essentially. Right, right. <laughs> yes. And so um, I did my undergrad actually um, down in Southern California at the University of California, Irvine, but I really missed home. So mm-hmm. uh I decided to come back up here and, and join Toro. Right, right. That's uh, as, as so often happens. Uh, we have so many students from not far from here. Um, 
one one thing that I know, uh, and, and I've sort of spoken with you briefly about this as well in the past. Um, one one of the things that the the College of Pharmacy is sort of trying to get across to potential students these days is that um, there's a it's a wide open sort of profession that a lot of people don't realize. Um, I think the average person just walking around knows if you say a pharmacist, that's the person behind the counter at Rite Aid or wherever um, who's putting pills in bottles, uh, which I don't mean to undercut because that's an important thing that we all need to get our medications filled. Um, but there's lots of things that you can do with a, a PharmD, as we call it, a degree. Um one of one of which you you mentioned uh, primary care. Um, what what are some other sorts of avenues that you know about that um, if you don't necessarily want to be you know the the Walgreens person, you can still get your PharmD and be engaged in. I mean, you're doing direct patient care now, basically. So um, there's but there's loads of other things like that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I would say pharmacy is a very versatile. Um, field that's constantly expanding. Um, so other than the uh, what we call the community route, which is, uh, yes, your, your Walgreens, your Rite Aid. Um, and there's also um, industry. I have a few colleagues who are in industry developing, mm-hmm. um, developing me- medications, um, answering medication questions, either to um, uh, physicians who are prescribers or um, the consumer. And then there is also managed care, which is uh, which has to do more so with um, like insurance on the insurance end, coming up with formularies, um, figuring out the the best way to care care for a large amount of people using the best clinical um, information pos- possible. Uh, and then there's also um, a, what, we, what we call um, inpatient care, which is um, probably the second most popular um, pharmacy field. So this inpatient meaning inside the hospital. So there's a lot of and there's a lot of subspecialties within that role, um, different types of ph- pharmacists, um, ID pharmacists, which are call, uh, which are basically uh, we call uh, infectious disease. So they will specialize in managing antibiotics. Yes. Yes. Um, um, I, uh, critical care pharmacists who will specialize in taking care of patients, the, the sickest patients in the ICU, things like that. And um of course, so primary care, which is um, a little bit more uh, of my background, uh, we there's something called a collaborative practice that we basically sign a contract with physicians, and we will manage their um, patients um, in a specific, in very specific uh, chronic disease states. So, um, for example, your uh, high blood pressure, your diabetes, uh, asthma, COPD. Um, even HIV and things like that, things that um, we will write into a protocol and then um, help the physicians manage and free up some of their time so that they ha- they can use their time um, to get get deeper with their patients. Right, right. Um, what What's interesting about that is that that kind of happens on the student level here at Toro, too, because there is a medical school um, and a school of pharmacy. And I know... The, the programs really like to try to create these environments where the students, like at MVP, for example, can work in this kind of interdisciplinary way, the way that they're going to be when they're out in a healthcare system. They're going to be 
a pharmacist working with a doctor and working with a, you know, a PA or a nurse or somebody like that. And you, you do all that here. Um, was that kind of, uh, your, your experience here when you were a student? Oh, yes, absolutely. And I would say it was enhanced by my participation in the um, in the MPH program, um, because even though on um, on campus, we, you know, uh, the College of Pharmacy has their own classes and the College of Medicine has their own classes, um, School of Nursing, you know, down the street a little bit and so right. on and so forth. But for all the students who were in the dual degree program and also getting their um, their master's in public health, we shared we shared classrooms. And mm. so um, we had a lot more interaction that way. And then um, so and so when we, even when we're out on rotations, I would see very, very many familiar faces as you know they go on to their residencies. And it um, it's really nice to already have that baseline <clears throat> of trust, excuse me, um, while and it really improves healthcare when we right. can communicate efficiently with one another. Right. Well, speaking of improving healthcare, um, luckily uh, for somebody with a, a, a dual degree in public health, um, luckily for you, the uh, pandemic broke out right as you were starting to graduate. Uh, so that was, that was a good piece of fortune. Um, you, you were able to sort of apply that knowledge sort of, right away in an emergency kind of basis um how uh what was the what was the experience like because our students now are coming into the situation as is but you, when you came to toro uh there was no pandemic and then there was uh what was the experience like having to sort of shift gears and, and figure out like okay now how do we do this in a virtual way <laughs> Oh, yes. So um, pretty much right at the start of the pandemic was when I was starting my residency program. And we did have to pivot a little bit in order to still provide the same level of healthcare that we had been doing face to face appointments, but, you know, um, adapted to do um, basically um, we call it telehealth and right. to keep keep staff safe, keep patients safe, keep everybody safe at home um, during the shelter in place um, orders. And so um, there are a lot of uh, technological advances as well in this. Um, there's studies been, have been done on telehealth and its uh, implications on basically increasing patient um, access because it's you can very easily reschedule patients or fit appointments into um, into your day where it would normally not be possible if you were um, adhering to an in-person patient um, appoint, uh, appointment system. Um, and so we were also doing a lot of um, referrals um, and triaging on our end to make sure that, you know, if uh, if a patient was to be seen in, in office, that it was uh, absolutely 100 percent necessary um, and, it, mm -hmm. and it was, you know, worth the exposure risk. Um, and of course, many of our patients um, over at Lifelong, where I did my residency, had a um, had transportation insecu uh, insecurities as well. And so right. we wanted to make sure that if we asked them to come down, it would be worth their time. Right, right. How um, how did all that experience, you know, because if you would have graduated five or eight years ago, uh, maybe you wouldn't be as well equipped to deal with this uh, situation that you're doing now where you're helping vaccinate people. Um how did that experience sort of alter, you know, how you're you're prepared to be part of this like MVP situation? 
Um, so I think um, like vaccinations have always been a very core part of what a pharmacist does anyway. It just it just so happens that um, the the timing um, worked out in a way where I, I was just um, part of part of the class that mm-hmm. was uh, l- lucky enough to be part of this, yes. and it was a great chance for many of my classmates and I to um, step up and you know. Um, really flex our um, our clinical knowledge uh, and our um, our you know our willingness to help the community and men- and m- many pharmacists who have long graduated um, are also definitely part of these efforts. So yeah. I would say just right place at the right time. Yes, and I don't know if it's the right place at the right time or the wrong place at the wrong time, but either way, uh, you were here when it counted most. Um, so that's great. What? Um, since we're still every every time it's it's been like a horror film every time you think the bad guy's dead it like it comes back to life uh um we've we've gotten a little bit back to sort of the things we used to do before um but uh luckily there's been a new variant in the past few weeks that has come around how has that changed have you have you seen more people you know, sort of change their opinion. Like you said, like you, they don't necessarily get vaccinated at the time, but then you give them sort of some information and some background and maybe that thaws them over time. It has this new uh, variant sped that up. Do you think? Um, you know, it's difficult to pinpoint exactly um, whether it was the the new variant or whether it's because of the upcoming upcoming holidays um, right. that, uh, yeah, we actually, we have been experiencing a small bump in vaccine interest. Um, currently, we don't know a whole lot about um, Omicron yet, but, right. um, and we will collect, continue to collect data over the next few weeks in order to be able to speak on that. But um I, I'll, I, no matter the reason, I'm very glad that there has been an increase in interest. Right, right. Um, something tells me we're going to get plenty of opportunities to get data from Omicron. So uh, just be patient. <laughs> we'll be we'll be uh, we'll be getting all that information shortly. I'm sure as the cases keep cropping up. Um, one of the things that if you're paying attention to the news about COVID, um, as is my job, uh, and hopefully it's a little part of your job. Um, uh, just a little. <laughs> yeah, just a little. Um, staying on top of the, I believe they call it co- uh, continuing education in the healthcare field. Um, <laughs> staying on top of all of this sort of thing. Um, I, one of the things uh, we had a, an earlier show, uh, which you guys can go look up uh, in your spare time. Uh, earlier show with uh, who you mentioned earlier, Doctor Fatima Hernandez, and one of the things we talked about was vaccine hesitancy. Um, what What are some of the like sort of tools that you use to kind of deal with that? Because um, you don't want to just say get the vaccine. Like <laughs> you're much kinder than that, I'm sure. Um, and, and for, I mean, there's the, you know, the sort of sign waving people that think vaccines across the board are terrible or whatever, but I I would think by and large, most of the people that you're dealing with are just, um, they don't understand what's involved in in the vaccine. Um, so 
they're just a little scared or concerned or whatever. How, how do you sort of ease those fears? Uh, yes. So education is the, is the short answer. And so, yeah, um, we, we do encounter many, many people with vaccine hesitancy for whatever reason. And um, it's our job to just basically talk to the patient and find out exactly what it is that they're worried about or what, what is holding them back. Sometimes it's lack of information. Sometimes it's um, lack of confidence in, in, the, in, the, in, the sci- in the current science. And it, all it takes is a little bit of explanation sometimes, or um, they're scared of side effects. Then, in, you know, mm. or, the, you know, they've heard from a friend of a friend of a friend of a neighbor, you know, that, you know, this happened to them after they received the vaccination. And right. so since, um, you know, this was, this has been a whirlwind of uh, over the past few years, it's um, very, it's very easy for me to understand that where these patients are coming from, that they are just, just hyper stressed, hyper um, anxious about what's been going on around them. And they, they're just uneasy. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, we just do our best to um, answer the questions as calmly as possible, never, to, never to shame or to belittle. <clears throat> and of course, um, you know, if it starts to become a, uh, a fruitless conversation, you know, right. that's not, that's not to push. We always try to keep it positive and right. leave and leave our doors of communication open. You know, Hey, if you change your mind or if you have any other questions that I can answer, you know, feel free to you know, email me and we can talk about it. Right. Um, one thing, and maybe you might have something to to say uh, about this, uh, without getting too uh, overtly personal uh, about it. Uh, one one of the things I know that this applies to is um, people who aren't sort of native born Americans or whatever. They they come here from other places, and so uh, maybe they had negative experiences elsewhere, or uh, there's language barriers, or um, I know, yeah, just in an odd sort of thing that I know, uh, in among the Hmong community, for example, the, uh, the injection, uh, in English translates, uh, into their language as stab. Um, so they're like, oh, well, the doctor needs to stab you. And they say, no, thank you. Um, <laughs> so there's just a little bit of that, but have you sort of experienced that? I know, um, at, you know, you mentioned with your parents, um, as has that sort of equipped you to deal with, to have the Western medicine conversation that we all need to have with our parents from time to time? Um, has, has that sort of benefited you in this process? Oh, absolutely. Um, definitely. Cultural competency um, is definitely a huge area um, that, you know, we're continu- continuously trying to improve on. And it really does make a difference when patients can um when when they when they feel like you understand where they're coming from Mm -hmm. they will open up to you and so this has happened to me many times where i will be um speaking with a a patient who is maybe um, spanish speaking and you know they can understand english just just fine right um but i can kind of tell from their body language that they're kind of hesitant about something like they're still gonna they're still gonna get the vaccination they're like willing but I can tell that they're somewhat uncomfortable. And that's when I'll ask Dr. Hernandez to come, come help me out. Like, hey, right, come talk right. to this patient. And where, you know, they spoke, maybe, you know, they gave, they would give me, you know, one, one or two word answers. All of a sudden they're having a full on, full, full on conversation right, right. and, you know, with the back and forth and all of a sudden their disposition completely changes and they are, you know, very, um, 
just um, very, very become very open to having the vaccine. They're excited about it. They feel comfortable. And th and that is the goal. Right, right. Um, before uh, we're starting to run out a little bit of the time, uh, but I wanted to make sure I got to this next thing. Um, this is a uh, this is a grant funded position. Is that accurate? So um, I know I know you sort of talked about primary care or whatever uh, that that sort of avenue. Where where do you see the sort of road leading to? What what ideally, um, if a pandemic doesn't happen, <laughs> um, where? Where ideally will you be uh, in, you know, sort of a handful of years after this whole vaccination thing is behind us? Uh, yes. So um, hopefully someday soon after this, yeah. <laughs> after this is all over, uh, I definitely hope to uh, return to primary care, which is what I'm trained in. And um, let, uh, I think I've told, told you this briefly before that, uh, yeah, I'm I definitely belong with the patients. Direct patient care is my passion. And any chance that I get to speak with patients, answer their questions, provide education um, is is a, a great day at work for me. Yeah, yeah. It seems to me, and I, I don't know, maybe you know this uh, more directly than I do, but it seems to me that pharmacists are taking on more of that sort of thing, that you don't necessarily have to go see your finger quote, even though people can't see my finger quotes, uh, the finger quote, uh, see your doctor, uh, which pharmacists are doctors, by the way. Um, I don't know if, if anybody listening recalls, I introduced you as Dr. Denise Young. Um, so, so that's why I use the finger quotes. Um, the things that you would normally go see your doctor for, uh, you can just come to a clinical setting and see your pharmacist. Is that is it becoming more so, or has that just been happening and we are not aware of it? Um, yeah, I believe, uh, I, well, the thing is, pharmacists um, traditionally have been all, um, the first uh, access point of care, um, you know, you know, like, oh, hey, you know, hey, you know, so-and-so, I have this weird growth on my back. Do I need to see someone for this? Or, right. um, you know, I have this nagging cough, like, I don't want to make an appointment. I don't want to jump through hoops. You know, what, what can I take over the counter for this? And um, yeah, typically that's been a part of our role in the community. Um, however, you know, just at this time, it, community pharmacists have been uh, just completely overwhelmed by um, having the, the COVID testing um, right. and the, you know, do, giving um, vaccinations, you know, every 10 minutes on top of their, all their other duties. And so um, it has been a difficult time for them right now. Uh, but, um, they, we are doing our, doing our best, um, mm -hmm. out there and in the future, I would say, um, hopefully that we can receive the amount of, um, support, um, from, you know, the, uh, larger corporations, um, right. to hear our voice, hear our voices and provide the help that we need, the support that we need. Yeah. Um, for sure. That's important. Uh, one last thing before we uh, before we wind down. Um, if you were, and I don't mind, uh, I don't mean to uh, put you on the spot for doing my marketing job. Uh, <laughs> if you were, if you were a young uh, college student who was thinking about uh, pharmacy school, 
Uh, I know there's a lot of our pharmacy school and a lot of other pharmacy schools around the country are struggling with this very thing that uh, there's a lot of people sort of vacillating about whether they should or shouldn't go to pharmacy school. Um, what What is your make a case for why they should? Why they should go to pharmacy school? Well, I mean, I, I believe that this is a very individual this is a very individual answer and um, it might not be for everyone, but then they have to ask themselves, you know, are they passionate about um, heading into a profession that is extremely versatile? Are they passionate about delivering direct patient care? Are they passionate about making a difference in their community and becoming a primary access point of healthcare? And are they willing to put in the work? Um, you know, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yes. And so, because it, it is a it is a doctorate's program, it is very strenuous. And if they have um, the res if they have the resolve and the discipline to do it, then um, I 100% support that. Yeah, that sounds like uh, a challenge accepted sort of moment for uh, potential students. So uh, there you go. She's throwing the gauntlet down for you. You can. Uh do with that what you will. Um, but speaking of passion, we're so grateful that uh, our alumni have such great passion for patient care and, and uh, big hearts and loads of empathy for people. Um, we're, we're so thankful that you're out there trying to, uh, trying to uh, hopefully get us all back to Normal sooner than later, uh, so that's good. Um, but mostly, I'm thankful for having had uh, Dr. Denise Young as my guest here. Um, if you want to know where the uh, the next uh, MVP event is coming, you just follow our social media: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that sort of stuff. Toro University, California. Uh, we post uh, all their events on social media, so you can check that out and get vaccinated if you still need to um and you probably still need to um it wouldn't hurt to uh, go get an extra shot or two um don't take my advice for that though you can just go talk to the pharmacist they'll tell you the right thing to do um i'm just a guy that talks into a microphone don't take health advice from me <laughs> dr young uh thanks so much for joining me today and for everyone else we will see you next time on The Current.